Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome, everyone, to Millennial. Laura, Pam, Mark, and I are all here this week. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome back, Mark. Well, it's good to be back. I do have a uh, a message for the listeners, though. I uh, was hanging out with Laura, you know, doing some work when she decided to look up the hashtag SendMark to E3 on Twitter, and I was shocked <laughs> to find that there wasn't one. Get on it, guys. I'm trusting you. You got nine months left. Mark, I'm glad that you're on this week because there's this new video game called Untitled Goose Game that went viral. Did you hear about this? Yes, it uh, is very fun. It's like Grand Theft Auto, but with a goose. And Grand Theft not as, Auto. Not as violent. So it's this beautiful game. It's for Nintendo Switch, PC, and Mac. And you're this goose in this peaceful town, and you're just stealing things from humans and doing other things to mess with them. I downloaded it because it went viral. And I guess it went viral because, like, it's called Untitled Goose Game, and it's so weird. You're a freaking goose, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, fun, I guess. I don't know. Good for a, a lazy weekend, I guess. Yeah, it's a very casual game. I wish the goose had a gun, like in Grand <laughs> Theft Auto. That would be cool. I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of like, <laughs> go come at people. Like, you saw, you can, like, raise your wings and, like, flap them in when you're running at people, and they usually just fuck right off when you do that. Yeah. Honestly, not out of character for geese, though, because Canadian geese oh, yeah. are evil. They're so, assholes. Yeah. yeah. So we it's funny. So here in Georgia, we have a lot of Canadian geese because I think it was in the 90s. Georgia decided, oh, like what a nice aesthetic it would be to have these beautiful geese down here. So they imported a bunch of them, not realizing that bringing Canadian geese to a warm climate removes their number one predator, which is the cold. So now they've just overbred and they're fucking everywhere. <laughs> and they just get in the way and they're assholes. Yeah. And they poop everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's true. Good luck stepping through a field where Canadian geese have been. It's like avoiding landmines that their poop is just everywhere. Yeah. Softball every every season I play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge problem. It's always in the recreational fields. Here, they're always in parking lots, just like walking around slowly and you'll be driving and you're like stuck because there's just a, a herd of these geese just walking and they won't yeah. move. Like you'll pull your car forward, you'll beep a little bit and they just look at you like, eh. Because they know you will run away as soon as they start flapping yeah. their wings. I'm pleased Jerks. to report that the goose in Untitled Goose Game is not a Canadian goose. But the, re- so. but the real question is, can you unlock... An ability where you just poop. <laughs> that would be cool. I think Pat asked me that last night if you could make a poop. The goose in Untitled Goose Game is making geese great again, I guess you could say. Saving their image. Well, I have a fun story. So earlier this week, I randomly met one of our listeners in an elevator. 
just like going about day-to-day life, got in an elevator with this really nice guy who asked me what floor I was going to. I told him what floor and he turned to me and he goes, are you Laura? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Thinking at first, like my brain was like, do we work together? And I'm an asshole for not recognizing you. Um, And then he was like, Laura T from the podcast. And I was like, whoa, yeah, (laughs) hi. (laughs) And it was just such a cool experience. We chatted for a minute. um, And he was really nice, really sweet. And I appreciated him saying hello. That was uh, Sako, who I met. And it's like one of the I think it's the first time I've just randomly met a listener. That's so sweet. In an an environment that wasn't like set up for it, you know? Yeah. Like it's one thing to be at a convention and meet somebody who like knows you're there, but then to just be like out about in an elevator. It was neat. Laura also told this story on MuggleCast. And when she said she was going to tell it on Millennium, I was like, well, you just told it on MuggleCast. And then and then she was like, well, I don't know what show he listens to. (laughs) Yeah. I, like it, he didn't really specify so i was like maybe he listens to both or maybe one or the other i'm not sure um i i feel like he might be a millennial listener because this was like the day after impeachment uh was announced and he kind of gave me a look and was like been a busy day and i w- i was like oh yeah it would have been funny if he asked what floor and you just replied and i'm laura <laughs> <laughs> oh wait your podcast laura wow that's crazy <laughs> You're like Groot. I am Groot. I am Laura. I, I am Laura. <laughs> That's all you say. That's all I say throughout the show. You ask for my opinion. We are Laura. I am Laura. <laughs> um yeah, that's that's funny. Um I visited Abe Lincoln's home over the weekend. I wish I had some fun story to attach to this, but I really don't. Pat had a acting gig in Springfield, Illinois for the Illinois Tourism Board or something like that. Yeah, so I decided to tag along. Um, And it's the hometown of Abe Lincoln. I was like, well, shit, let me go check out his house. And they offer free tours. And uh, I tried to summon his spirit and ask him for his thoughts on Trump, but he wasn't responding to me, unfortunately. So can't report back there. But yeah, it was kind of cool because Abe Lincoln rocks. We all love him, even though uh, he was a Republican, right? Yeah, but that was before the parties kind of flip-flopped. Right. Um, he, You know, he's a very progressive dude. Mm-hmm. And the Republican Party then is not the Republican Party of now. Although I always do think it's funny when Republicans go back to the Lincoln defense. They're like, well, Republican, a Republican president ended slavery. <laughs> and I'm like, do you realize that in that comment, you had to go all the way back <laughs> to the dude on the fucking penny to have somebody in your party that you're proud of. Please spare me. So we wanted to keep plugging this idea of sharing millennial with a friend because one of our favorite things to hear from listeners is how they found out about the show. And it's especially awesome to hear when somebody was introduced to millennial through a friend. Now through Halloween, we want to give some shout outs on the show to our listeners who are spreading awareness by word of mouth. Introduce a friend to Millennial and take a selfie together with some sort of proof that you're listening, like enjoying your listening experience together. Then share and tag Millennial Show on social and we will give you and your friend a shout out here live on the air. And if you're a patron, we'll also give you a month of free Patreon access. I was helping spread the word this week. I left some stickers some millennial stickers in Abe Lincoln's house. Did you leave the Trumpster fire? Yeah. I left them on his bed. I actually stuck them to the bed. 
and I was very quickly <laughs> kicked out. I was going to ask, did you just leave them or did you stick them to something? <laughs> nope. Yep. I uh, left them all over his personal property. Uh, and speaking of patrons, we did want to give a shout out to our latest patrons, Katrin, Steph, Lindsay, Katie, Jean, Danielle, Irene, Stephanie, Olivia, Brandon, Christine, and Brittany. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad to have you. I think a lot of people came in after our new breaking news installment, which we released to everybody a few days ago. We'll talk about that a little bit more later in today's show, because we will offer an update on what is going on with the whole impeachment inquiry. Yep. And if the president's impeachable offenses have left you feeling dirty, you'll want to hear about our first sponsor of the week, BioClarity. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. Their routines were made to help keep your skin looking young, healthy, and fresh using only natural and gentle ingredients. Andrew and I have been using BioClarity for a long time at this point. They were one of our first sponsors, and we've both genuinely seen positive improvements. Mm -hmm. I have some redness and hyperpigmentation in my skin, but the clear skin routine was able to get me back on track by soothing all the irritation my skin was experiencing. Now I use the essentials routine for maintenance. Andrew, how's BioClarity been going for you? Oh yeah, I love it. I stick with the clear skin routine because it's an ongoing battle, but BioClarity calms my face like no other product I've tried before. Um, And it really does work for me where other products I've tried just do not. So I've come to really rely on BioClarity and it it doesn't let me down. Yeah, that clear skin routine really helped get my redness problem under control. Mm-hmm. It's for oily or breakout prone skin. Or you can opt for the essentials routine for normal skin and essential care. This is what I'm using now to keep things in check. But I always know that if I have a mishap or fall off the wagon, I can go back to the clear skin routine to get things back on track. Both routines consist of a three-step regimen that helps improve the look and feel of your skin and is packed full of detoxifying nutrients. These are uniquely formulated to help with hyperpigmentation and stubborn chin breakouts. The routines also include a super special ingredient found only in BioClarity, Floralux, which is made from the chlorophyll from plants. This special ingredient also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evening out skin tone and texture. On top of that, their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. And you can't beat the 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to BioClarity.com. And right now for our listeners, you'll save 40% off a skincare routine and an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal. But you need to enter our code MIL at checkout. So go to BioClarity.com and enter our code MIL at checkout for 40% off a skincare routine and 15% off everything else. All right, time now for some emails. This is from Helen. She responds to our discussion on cats last week. I have been a cat owner for the past 21 years, so I know the burden of having a litter box in the house. At my peak, I had four cats, but my older cats have now passed and I am left with only one. Recently, a friend of mine who has been a dog owner all her life acquired two cats. She has been experimenting with different litter box options and discovered the Kitty Poo Club. It's a litter box subscription service. When you sign up each month, they send you a disposable litter box and litter. The boxes are sufficiently lined, so there are no leaks, and use a special kind of litter that is 100% natural and free of dust, dyes, and scents. It also does not stick to their paws. With the Kitty Poo Club system, you only have to scoop out the solid waste because the urine 
uh, which is 95% water, mostly evaporates, and the odor and particles that are left behind are trapped inside the litter pellets. My friend swears by the kitty poo club and used it for several months. The only reason she stopped was because she decided to try training her cats to do their business in the toilet, which has been a very interesting process to follow. I'd be happy to share if you're interested. The only reason I haven't switched is because I purchased a ton of my old litter, which was on sale. Thank you, um, Helen. I'm glad I wasn't alone. I thought that this was just an Andrew problem, complaining about a litter box being in the house. But it turns out there's a lot of germaphobes just like me. And just this idea of the poop sitting inside is like, ugh. Yeah, I'm also not a fan of litter boxes. And it's it's one of the reasons why I'm hesitant to get a cat. Um, Because my family did have cats when I was younger. And litter boxes are just the worst. And like I've pet sat for people who had cats and it just ugh. you do like cats though i do yeah hmm. yeah i like i saw you as a cat lady i'm definitely more of a dog person um yeah you know given the choice dogs are more in my jam but i do like cats and there's yeah. some really nice cat breeds out there that are almost dog-like like when you think about maine coons for example um i would love to have something like that but it would need to know how to go in the toilet because i don't want a litter box i'm sorry so pat has offered to do this too but just this also this idea of the cat using the toilet is so gross (laughs) like okay great no litter box but i'm just like picturing the cat squatting over the toilet that's so weird no i think they have training mechanisms too like it it makes your toilet the hole in the toilet seems smaller so that they're more comfortable and then you gradually just increase the size until you can take it away man and then you walk (laughs) in there i mean the cat doesn't know how to flush too right you can't you probably can't train it unless you put some catnip on the handle or something i would mostly just be like i think i would be startled if i tried to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and the cat was just squatted up for the toilet right you know yeah (laughs) you like sit on the cat accidentally (laughs) right the cat falls into the toilet that would be terrible. Um, also, shout out to Margarita in the Facebook group who shared links to litter box enclosures available on Wayfair. So that also made me feel better. I just felt bad. I was I thought I was being a dick to Pat's cat, but um, there are other people who are dicks like me. So that's cool. No. And also, there are litter boxes you can get that are automatic, like they clean themselves so that you don't have to do the scooping. So it has like a little like machine arm that like goes through at certain intervals and pulls all the waste out into a bin that you can just take out and throw away. Yeah. So Pat does the cleaning. Let's be clear. I am going nowhere near that litter box. (laughs) That is not my cat. That is not my problem. But here's the other thing. And panel, please give me your feedback on this. He has a cat poop trash can. And he lets it sit in the bathroom. So the cat's poop is sitting in this trash can, in the bathroom, for up to a month. He says he takes it out once a month. That's too much, right? Does it smell? No, but I know the poop is there. Month-old poop (laughs) sitting in the bathroom. (laughs) Doesn't it get coated by the kitty litter, though? So it's not, like, necessarily just festering in there? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think it's Pat being lazy. I think he should just take the poop out. To the trash uh, probably i mean don't you live um on in a walk-up yeah so he, yeah so that's probably why Well, he's going downstairs every day anyway that's fair thank you my preference would be to 
move it out mm-hmm. more frequently than on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, month's a little bit long. Yep. Yep. You listening, Pat? <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Too long. Well, we have a couple of confessionals. I'll go ahead and read the first one. We got an update on one of last week's confessionals. It reads, update on my podcast co-host breathing too loud and me having to edit around it. I neglected to mention that she has asthma. That's why I don't say anything to her about it. I don't want to be an asshole. Right now, we don't have very much equipment, but I live close, so we record together in person. I am already consistently reminding her not to bonk the desk or the table or move too much, and I don't want to add breathing on top of it because I don't want to be an asshole. I just want to complain about it anonymously on the internet. How about you hire Laura to be your new (laughs) co-host? She can say, and I'm Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will. So I have asthma. Um, and this is a challenge for me sometimes, especially if I'm having like a bad asthma day. I know that I come across like sounding like I'm having to like breathe a little bit more than normal. Um, and I just have to make sure that I'm like puffing on my inhaler before we sit down to record, make sure that I'm like blowing my nose to make sure that like there's nothing stopping me up before I get on to record. Something else that's helpful for me, especially when we're recording in the morning, when I get up, I like to start talking to kind of warm my voice up and like loosen up my like chest and vocal cords and everything. So that might be something that can help your co-host. I really do think you should talk to her about it because it's not going to get better if you don't. Alternatively, Maybe ask her to edit an episode and see if she <laughs> notices and fixes things herself. Yeah. That might help a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of hard. I actually have um, guested on um, an episode or probably like a few episodes um, on a host podcast that does have asthma. And this person's biggest problem always just kind of felt like, they didn't get enough air. And so then as soon as you get to the end of the sentence towards the end, it almost feels like, you know, it sounds like they're trying to like just push the words out. But I, I mean, I don't know. It, it that That's tough. But I do feel like if you just made this person edit one week, they might realize how weird it sounds without, you know, you trying to edit send around us, it. Send us the link to the podcast. I want to hear this already. <laughs> You're teasing yeah, us. Me too. We won't, we won't like out you on the show. Like we won't tell people who you are. Just curious. (laughs) But you know what? That's a good point because we actually might be able to, to help you come up with some solutions if you let us listen. Another confessional. I've never had a random hookup before. I've only ever slept with people I've been in relationships with. I want to have some fun, but I'm introverted and nervous about the whole thing. Where can I go to look for quote sex friends? I've been on Tinder, but most people don't admit to wanting hookups in their bios. And if they do, it's usually some weirdo with a creepy photo like the NSA guy that messaged Laura that one time. I don't really like to drink or feel super safe going to a bar alone either. I don't know why it was my first instinct to ask you guys for advice, but here I am. Is there a safe website out there where I can match up with someone with the same kinks? Do I have to just go out and talk to strangers at bars? Please help this physically lonely pansexual female get laid. I I actually think the bar is the best place to do that. Um, okay, you don't want to go by yourself, but why not bring a wingman with you? 
that's like an easy place to do it because you can quickly feel out if somebody is a creep or not. And a lot of the time, the people, the single people at these bars would not mind a hookup. Yeah, I also think it's smart to go with a friend just because anytime you're doing something like this, you always want somebody who cares about you to know where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know definitely like when I was still dating and I would go out on first dates, I I would always like text a friend and be like, I'm going on a date. We're going here. If you don't hear back from me in like four hours, I'm probably dead. (laughs) Call the police. It's a safe way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Have you guys seen that Facebook has officially launched their dating service? No. Yeah, they keep trying to get me to sign up. It's probably because you're in a relationship on Facebook, honestly. I'm not listed as in a relationship on Facebook, I don't think. Oh, Are we? Okay. Babe? I just assumed so. that they were targeting all the people that didn't have a relationship status set because I keep getting nudges to do this. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere near that. I got asked too, but my relationship status does actually say say single, even though I have that hidden. Um, but I actually signed up for it just to play with it. <laughs> and maybe that could be a good solution for you because it connects you with, so you can select crushes amongst your friends. So I could, so it's kind of like the MySpace top eight in a way. So I could set Laura, Mark, and Pam as my crushes. They won't know that I selected them as crushes unless they join the Facebook dating service and also select me as a crush so it's kind of like Mm. tinder but maybe you could do that and maybe a couple of your friends will also be crushing you back and then you can go hang out and sit on their face alternatively (laughs) does your tinder bio say that you're not looking for anything serious because that might make things easier yeah um because i know it's like it's easier for you to weed out who you might be interested in but if other people don't know that's what you're interested in they might not be swiping on you like those kind of people might not be swiping right yeah i think it's important in online dating to be pretty forward about what you're looking for like on my okcupid profile back in the day it literally like under the things it was like message me if and i put like you didn't vote for donald trump (laughs) and you didn't write and you didn't vote third party like a little bitch (laughs) wow (laughs) Uh, and i actually got somebody once who was all butthurt about that and he was like i don't think voting third party makes me a little bitch and I was like, well, I think it does. I would just block him immediately. <laughs> you could have been like, whatever you say, champ. <laughs> what what dating apps are you on, Pam? I'm, I'm actually not using dating apps right now, but maybe I should just, if anything, for the sake of the show, I'm sure that would make for an interesting discussion topic. Hell yeah. Oh, right? uh, yeah. We could. Yeah. So back in the day, we had a segment called Fuck Off Cupid, and we would just read all of the outrageous messages that we received on dating apps. So if you want to volunteer as tribute, (laughs) we could bring it back. Honestly, like Tinder is a good laugh for the, um, for the messages. So I could take one for the team and start swiping again. I'm surprised more people don't admit to wanting hookups in their bios on Tinder. Like, why the hell not? Yeah, but you know what though, Laura, you make a good point about OkCupid because I, I do remember that, that they asked you to, check what you were looking for Mm -hmm. and there is a Mm -hmm. an option for hookups so yeah that might be an option too i used to love okcupid i really did because you could get an Mm in-depth look at somebody they answer tons of questions they have all these um lengthier 
question and answer sections. Um, I actually met somebody who I was dating for a little while until he cheated on me. Uh, but we ended up becoming good friends. And like, it's surreal to think I wouldn't know that person if it weren't for freaking OK Cupid. So my suggestion would be to just go out onto as many dating apps as possible. Just say you're looking for hookups and see what happens. Maybe you'll make some new friends along the way, too. That's another great part about being single. You meet new people that you would not under otherwise. Also, apparently Hinge is where it's at. I've never used it. I was going to ask about that. I, yeah, I've heard from um, friends that are on dating apps that that they've gotten the most results as far as actually meeting up with somebody in person by using Hinge. So, And that's because Hinge is more career focused? I think so. I'm, I honestly don't know because I haven't really looked into it, but I just have heard that it's had a good track record amongst people I actually know. So on to some news. This is a quick update to get us started. Spider-Man is back in the MCU, y'all. He left and now he's back. So as we spoke about a few weeks ago, Disney and Fox got into a tussle and it looked like Spider-Man played by Tom Holland would no longer be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He would just be in his own world at Sony. And that was awkward because he had two movies in Disney's MCU and that was going to be a a three-part or four-part story. So it would have sucked for him to have left halfway through his overall story in Kevin Feige's MCU. And everybody was really upset about that. Because remember how excited everybody was when he joined Disney's MCU. And now they've figured it out. They've they've come to an agreement. So he will have one more movie in Disney's MCU. And he, as part of this agreement, he will also be appearing in another Marvel movie at Disney. But then that's it <laughs> for now. Yeah, I uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you they'll know. work something out again. But you know what pisses me off about this? People are talking like he's back. And I know I just said he's back. He never freaking left. There were those two months where it looked like he would not get another movie. He did not just suddenly return. He didn't go anywhere. That two-month gap is not going to affect the plot of the next movie at all. This story just really made me hate Hollywood. Because the public fight over Spider-Man may have been a negotiating tactic. And that's really annoying because we were used. We were used Mm -hmm. so Disney or Sony could get a better deal. Fuck you. But I feel like we kind of reached that conclusion when we talked about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it still hurts. I mean, that's true. Didn't that come out right when the big Disney conference was happening? Like didn't yeah right wasn't before the that mm-hmm. yeah like come on like I, I feel like that is straight up like oh let's just talk about this that way the fans get angry that way there's more pull on either side to make something happen because like Spider-Man is the one character where I'm like do, do you do you enjoy making money because if you do just keep on making the movies like and a lot of people now are saying that if they don't re- renew. Uh, his contract again this one main spider-man movie and then the other appearance is going to be a way for them to send him off into the sony universe or mm-hmm. like the spider-verse movie or something like that which will never be as good as disney's no, I mean, mcu i mean d- don't get me wrong spider-verse was great like that's yeah. probably the best comic book movie i've seen that wasn't you know marvel or 
the dark knight like that was it's probably the best one i've ever seen but like i don't know like comic book movies work because you have all these interconnected characters with their own stories just like if you if you read a comic book if you pick up a a random marvel comic book right now when you read it you're probably going to see a random character in there that isn't the title character but has his own series and has his own whatever Mm -hmm. you know that adds to the the stories you know weight because they go like oh there's spider-man there's iron man there's whatever but i'm reading a x-men comic but all these people are just showing up because they all exist in this world but if you go to Sony, you don't have that. Like you have Venom who exists in a in a vacuum where Spider-Man isn't there, but Venom is supposed to be the antithesis to Spider-Man. Right. So yeah. like it's awkward. Yeah, I mean it Yeah, I mean I I I'd be okay if he he eventually goes to Sony. I think that'd be okay, but only when he runs his course. Like when they do everything they can with him, they give him a good send-off, especially since they're playing with the multiverse a lot now. Like, it'd be cool for them to be like, oh, you're going to another universe where the Avengers don't exist or something. And then he goes to the universe and Venom's there. And it's that Sony Spider-Man universe. So it's like an actual explanation for why he's in this new universe where none of the old MCU people are. Right? Like, that'd be kind of cool. But if I could have it my way, he'd just be in the MCU the whole time. This third Spider-Man movie will be released July 2021, and we'll see what happens after that. Time now for a word from our next sponsor, Untuck It. If you're feeling a little stiff after all this news, and gosh, we haven't even gotten to the impeachment stuff yet, you may want to check out our next sponsor who lets you loosen up a little bit, Untuck It. Ever wonder why a traditional button-up looks so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. In fact, they are the original untucked shirts, providing a modern solution to an old problem. No one wants to tuck a shirt in, period. We're having our first cool weekend of the season here, so Pat and I, we busted out our untucked shirts while we were traveling home from uh, Lincoln Land. And while driving back, we took a couple breaks to pop into a couple small towns along the way. The untucked shirts let us look like we care about our appearance while remaining comfortable in the car. And by the way, their flannels are perfect for the cooler temperatures. They have tons of new arrivals just in time for fall. Plaids, patterns, solids, subtle designs, long sleeve, short sleeve. They got it all. So you can easily go out on the town looking like you want to make an impression, but without feeling stiff and constantly needing to retuck your shirt in. And no matter who you are, Untuck It has some awesome selections for you. In addition to button downs, they have vests, wraps, blazers, shirt dresses, and a lot more. Try it on in person at one of Untucket's 50 stores or go to untucket.com to get started. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. You can save 20% on your first order by using our code MILLENNIAL at checkout. That's untucket.com promo code MILLENNIAL. New season is about to start. This is a great time to try some on. So again, untucket.com and promo code MILLENNIAL will get you 20% off your order. Time now to talk about the latest impeachment developments. But first, just a reminder that we offered our initial reactions to the impeachment news on Patreon, but it's available to everybody. Patreon.com slash millennial. We did a special breaking news the night that it broke. And I know a lot of people appreciated that we made that open to the public. We were happy to do that because it was such a big deal. So be sure to check that out for our initial response to the big news. But Laura, now let's talk about what's gone on in the days since. 
Yeah, so there has been a lot happening uh, since Tuesday. It It's only been a few days, but it feels like it's been a few years. And I thought it would be good to touch on some of the high points of what we've seen. Um, first, I did want to plug, if you're looking, like if you're just now catching up on impeachment, you'll find that it there's a lot to catch up on. Uh, USA Today actually has a really good visual timeline of events that led up to the inquiry announcement. So if you're curious about like when this phone call with President Zelensky happened and when the whistleblower complaint was filed, you can get all of that by looking at that uh, USA Today timeline of events. We can link to that in the show notes. Um, but since the announcement and our initial reactions, the White House released the memo of the Zelensky call. I say it's a memo because... The White House and the media have been calling it a transcript. It is not a transcript. A memorandum, by definition, is a summary of events that happened, not an actual word-for-word transcription. So I thought that was really important to drive home because the White House has really been trying to push this narrative that we're being super transparent. We gave you the transcript. You know exactly what was said during that phone call. No, we don't. Because we just don't have the official transcript. Yeah. And the media handled this irresponsibly at the beginning. They were calling it a transcript. I know CNN and some others, they started changing their language. But at the outset, they screwed up. Yep. The only people who got this right are my loves (laughs) C-SPAN. I will die on this hill. C-SPAN, like, they're always... If I'm going to watch the news that's who i want to watch and <laughs> but c-span is so boring and seriously wait what do you mean watch the news on c-span like watch the senate because they don't do news yeah. broadcasts right exactly i don't need talking heads i don't need cnn telling me what to think <laughs> i can watch the real thing and draw my own conclusions but i appreciated it because when i was looking at c-span On their site, of course, they had a big banner about the memo, but they were calling it a memo. They were the only outlet that was doing that. Mm. So C-SPAN for life. I am 80 years old. I think it's only a matter of time before you buy a vibrator and call it (laughs) C-SPAN. What makes you think I haven't already? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, the reason that we don't have a transcript, uh, it turns out that the White House was uh, recommended to move the Zelensky call transcript to a highly secured system by their lawyers. Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of questions coming up about, like, you know, the uh, ethics of doing something like this, because the White House is saying, well, this is standard protocol for secured documents but at the same time the whistleblower in this case actually followed all of the laws to the t about how whistleblowers are supposed to go about reporting and as a result of that whistleblower complaint being filed this transcript is a piece of evidence that is part of that complaint so there has been an argument that the white house is actually potentially breaking the law by doing this yeah um i i'm not well versed in that particular legality so i can't say one way or the other but it is shady um 
And then the acting intelligence director, McGuire, testified this was something to to behold. He was literally trying to argue that nobody was really telling him what to do. So he was just doing what he thought, he thought was best. <laughs> go with your gut. Yeah, just go with your gut. It's fine. He did speak in support of the whistleblower, though, that he, he supported the whistleblower's right to complain and also the whistleblower's right to privacy, which I think the intelligence community appreciated. But um, the whistleblower's lawyers sort of pushed back on this testimony and they were like, yeah, we're not really in agreement on his interpretation of the legalities here. Mm. Um, then, I don't know if you guys heard this leaked audio of Trump. Yeah. Um, he, he called the whistleblower sources practically spies. These are people who are in our intelligence community, people who work in the White House. And he's like, they're spies. And then he implied that the death penalty would be warranted for something like this. Did you guys hear this shit? I did hear the audio. And some woman laughs like really loudly after he said it. And I'm wondering if she's laughing with him or at him. Probably with him, (laughs) unfortunately. But yeah, was this the same as the report that came out where he said in the old days we had a different way of dealing with this? Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty disturbing that he's implying that this person deserves to be killed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> you can see why he's angry. And of course, this type of comment from him gets just just gets brushed off as, oh, that's just Trump being Trump. He's just joking. He's just joking. You heard the woman laugh. Yeah. He's just joking. Right. He's just telling it like it is. It was is. probably just... Kelly and Conway laughing so they could cover their tracks later. Oh, you heard that woman laughing, right? It's because it was a joke. Uh-huh. Well, the interesting thing that's related to this is that um, the New York Times ended up releasing identifying information of the whistleblower, um, which created a lot of online blowback mm-hmm. um, from members of the intelligent com- intelligence community, but then also just New York Times subscribers. Mm-hmm. Because their feeling is the president has sort of already threatened this person and now you're releasing these identifying details that it's a male member of the intelligence community who has uh, intimate knowledge of the inner workings of the White House. So it does narrow down the pool. The New York Times defended itself by saying that they wanted to release that information so that their readers could decide for themselves whether the complaint was valid. And I think that's okay. Um, I wasn't yeah, bothered. Yeah, I wanted to ask for y'all's I wanted to ask for y'all's opinions here. It didn't get very specific, I didn't feel. And I have to think that this guy is going to be protected. So the issue is that whistleblower law says that they have a right to anonymity and that's where people are getting testy cuz they feel like this violates that. I think that um the information while it wasn't specific enough to you know, narrow it down to a, a top five. Um, I don't personally agree with their reasoning for doing this because the whole point that people go on the record anonymously, not just, you know, to members of Congress, but also to members of the press is because like Laura said, they're going to be protected, but that's up to 
the editors and the writers that are promising, um, you know, this person to stay anonymous to say, okay, this person's credible. So we will take one for the team and we'll report and keep that source anonymous. And you should have faith in your readership and knowing that they will trust you regardless of whether or not you feel like you can name names. So I, I honestly feel like this kind of makes the New York Times look bad if they feel like they need to justify reporting on something like this. Yeah. Um, only by, you know, uh, releasing very minor specific details. Right. I I feel the same because I feel like your publication should stand on its reputation for having reliable sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're at a point where you feel like you don't have that, then I think there's a bigger problem <laughs> than trying to resolve this one issue by giving identifying information out when, you know, the law states that this person should have total anonymity. Right. I mean, look at Watergate. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of, you know, um, a similar situation. And all of that was reported on anonymity until they were able to release information. Yeah. And I mean, the information here is so damning across the board. I don't know that it's necessary to hand out this information in order to make the story more credible. This is something that I think the American public can actually understand and I think it it's probably serving as a wake-up call for a lot of folks. So I don't know. I agree with Pam. I don't know that this was necessary. Um, but something else that's been just a train wreck to watch, apart from Rudy Giuliani's like <laughs> dental work, is just Rudy Giuliani <laughs> himself. He has been fucking losing it. Yeah. He was shouting. Did you guys see that tweet from the reporter who was like, he was literally shouting at me over the phone like, it's not possible the whistleblower will be seen as a hero. In the end, I will be the hero. <laughs> it's straight out of a comic book. Yeah, God. I know. Uh, it's like Trump's I am the chosen one comment. Yeah. And also Giuliani is saying that he will not testify without consulting Trump. Because he's like, I won't testify without consulting my client, even though my testimony is about my client's behavior. Um, I mean, okay. if he wants to... Uh, take a bullet for Trump. That's fine, but doesn't make him look good. No, no. I don't think he cares about looking good anymore. Well, I um, think he's legitimately crazy, and he does not realize that he doesn't look good. That's, that's fair. A fair point. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw the SNL cold open last night. By the way, so good. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like they didn't really have to exaggerate anything. No. <laughs> Um, and I was a little bit uncomfortable because I was like, this isn't even satire anymore. Yeah. Kate McKinnon's Elizabeth Warren was perfect. That was an incredible yeah. impersonation. I don't know if you saw the Democratic debate one. Yeah. I mean, Kate McKinnon is just. She tends perfect, to be perfect. And yeah. 
She yeah, she's a national treasure. She also um plays Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yep. She also used to play Jeff Sessions. Yeah. She's just she's perfect. She played Hillary Clinton in 2016. Kelly Conway. Yeah. She, her impressions are just spot yeah. on. She is like the crown jewel of SNL, to be honest. One of the best running jokes on SNL right now is that every person in Trump's cabinet is played by a female. Yep. Every male cabinet member is played by a female. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, bar. yeah, the bar. Yep. Yep. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's Sean Spicer. Like, that's still. That was iconic. Oh, Gold. It really the is. The best moments in SNL <laughs> history, at least modern history. Right. Yeah, he went from being played by a woman to being on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. Maybe Melissa can come back and recreate that magic. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, now we're hearing um, former uh, Senator Jeff Flake. Uh, he was a former Republican senator. He's claiming that 35 Republican senators would vote yes on impeachment if the vote were held in secret. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, this is just... First of all, I'm like, no, like, don't don't be a pussy. If you are going to vote one way or the other on impeachment, you that vote should be open to your constituents. Sorry, but they would want to keep it secret because they're afraid about their futures, right? They're afraid Republicans would vote them out next election cycle. I mean, that's part of the job, you know, Um, and it's it's people putting being a career politician above defending the constitution, Mm -hmm. which means you're not doing your job. Now, what I will say here is I wonder if this is a test balloon, um, to sort of gauge the public opinion before anybody goes on the record. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And speaking of public opinion, Andrew, you linked here to a poll. Yeah. ABC news conducted a poll after this, impeachment drama started how serious of a problem is it that president trump encouraged the ukrainian president to investigate joe biden and his son hunter 43 percent of respondents said very serious 21 percent said somewhat serious 19 percent said not so serious and 17 percent said not serious at all but that is a majority that said at least somewhat serious Mm -hmm. that's pretty significant and you would think um, some of those people were Republicans if it was a majority that said this was at least a little serious. Yeah, it is interesting to watch the shifting tide here in terms of public opinion. And I, this is how I've been feeling for a long time. So the Democrats have been holding off on the impeachment inquiry because they knew that public opinion was not in support of it. My feeling on it is that your leaders fucking lead Mm -hmm. don't follow your people and let them tell you how to defend the constitution this is your job obviously when it comes to local matters and you know the way that you'll vote on things that are of interest to the public you need to pay attention to your constituents but when it comes down to the president just like having like just complete disregard for our laws and our constitution, that is when it's your job, regardless of who you represent, to stand up and say, no, this is not acceptable. We will not tolerate this. And lo and behold, the Democrats finally stood up and 
they're giving us a reason to shift public opinion and it's happening. So I'm glad that we're here. Right. I'm frustrated it took this long. Well, but I think in fairness to Nancy Pelosi and others, this was the thing that she thought, okay, we would have a real shot at impeachment with this. Unlike anything else that's come before. She was looking for her best chance and this was the one. I agree. I still think that we could have set a precedent earlier. I'm still I'm frustrated by feeling like the Democrats are always reacting mm-hmm. to the Republicans. I would have liked to see us try and and strike on this a little bit earlier so that when this happened, it was also just yet more evidence mm-hmm. on top of what, you know, the 10 counts of obstruction of justice. But the end of the day we're here it's gonna be a really interesting year guys yeah buckle up <laughs> i'm seeing another poll this morning cbs news impeachment inquiry into president trump 55 percent approve 45 percent disapprove and that's pretty significant mm-hmm. because some people yep. said that um this would be a political loser for democrats and maybe not so much we'll see yeah honestly i've been feeling like it would be worse for them politically not to do it. Yeah. So again, glad we're here (laughs) and we'll be keeping an eye on it. So yeah, Pam, we didn't have you on breaking news. What do you think of all this generally? I was kind of shocked that we finally got it because I feel like the running joke has kind of been that they were never going to actually go through with it. Um, But I think that, if not now, then when? This is a, a pretty serious issue with, with with which to lead the charge on. But I do feel like, you know, it's not going to be resolved as quickly as people might think. These things usually tend to take some time. So like Laura said, we all just need to strap in and stay hydrated and, you know, uh, just take in as much as you can and then take a break because... I think that the Trump administration would want you to be exhausted to the point where you just don't want to deal with it. But um, that's not what should ideally happen. I think if they want to keep the momentum going on this. So we'll see. What else is going on, Pam? Um, Let's talk about the Joker again. A few weeks ago, we actually talked about this movie that's coming out this Friday But it was basically just in terms of the rave reviews that the movie got when it premiered at the, I think it was at Toronto Film Festival? Or was it? TIFF. No, it was the other one. The Venice Film Festival? Yeah, sure, that one. Another classy film festival. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently it got like a five minute standing ovation. So we were like, great, this is good news for all of us that are wanting to go out and watch the movie. But now it's actually making headlines for a completely different reason And it really kind of has to do with the controversy surrounding the plot of the film. So this is not really anything new because the handful of critics that were a little bit dubious about the film's subject matter had referenced the uh, controversies in their reviews. But the controversy surrounding Joker really started to gain traction just last week when the families of the Aurora, Colorado shooting from 2012 wrote a letter to WB expressing their concerns over the movie's plot. So mm-hmm. specifically, the letter cited similarities between the Joker, uh, who is a mistreated man outcast from society and slowly descends into violence, and the mass shooter that took 
12 lives during the Dark Knight screening out there in 2012, who also was um, discovered to be a socially isolated individual who felt wronged by society. So definitely some very strong parallels there. Uh, It's important to note this letter did not urge the public to boycott the film or ask the studio to consider removing the mass rollout of the film in theaters. But they did kind of suggest that WB consider doing things like donate to groups that help victims of gun violence and political contributions to candidates who take money from the NRA and vote against gun reform and use their political clout to leverage in Congress to actively lobby for gun reform. Um, So this kind of just opened the floodgates. And this is basically why we've seen things like theaters talking about extra security measures and and people really kind of debating over whether or not this is a good move on WB to release a story like this right now. Yeah. And but the big question is, like, what actually happens in this movie? Because none of us have seen it here. I tried to look up some information about it. Um, Apparently, there are there is some gun violence. There is a stabbing. And I guess Joker is doing all of this. The way people have been talking I've been envisioning like he carries out a mass shooting or some sort of other horrific terrorist attack. And um, I have seen a bunch of critics be really unsettled by this movie, including last night. There was a press screening and somebody came out of it and said, nope, I did not like that. That was not good. That was wrong. So at this point, I'm and this was somebody I trust, I know personally. So at this point, I'm kind of not wanting to see this movie because I don't want to feel like shit. It sounds like the movie is just going to give us anxiety. I understand the historical context of the Aurora shooting, but there's been a movie starring the Joker since then. Nobody said shit about Suicide Squad. Yep. And, and they, it was literally a team of murderers. Like, And there was no retribution in that film. It wasn't like... I'm the Joker, but I'm turning my life around. Or I'm Harley, I'm turning my life around. Like there, at one point, Harley says, "We're murderers. Just own it." And I'm like, "So you didn't say shit about this movie, and all the other." And, and granted, I, I I completely understand where the the families are coming from from the Aurora shooting. And even though, and I and I and I can I, I support them saying like we should give money or they should W should give money to you know. Uh, those causes that makes perfect sense to me that's fine that'd be a great way to take this and make it into something positive but like in some of the sections of the letter they were throwing major shade at them for making this movie like we were shocked that you were making this movie blah 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 blah. and i'm like so you're not shocked that they finished the trilogy that you know that happened where somebody had all of the city under their thumb because of a terrorist threat to blow up the city then you had Suicide Squad that was right after that. Well, not right after that, but, but after that, that, again, it's a bunch of murderers. No one said anything about that. Isn't then, Suicide Squad kind of more of kind of a comedy, too, though? It's lighter. I guess so, but they're, like, people get, like, disemboweled in that movie. Like, it's a comedy, but it's a, it's a comedy the same way that, like, Deadpool is a comedy. Right, like, a Deadpool dark is comedy. a comedy, but, yeah, like, it's a comedy, but, like, you see deadpool do ridiculous things to people Mm -hmm. and like at one point deadpool is holding a gun to a lady and he's arguing with himself whether he should kill her or not because she's a woman and he doesn't want to be sexist Mm -hmm. 
And he's like, would killing you be sexist or not killing you be sexist? Because I just killed all these other people, but they were all guys. Like, that's a very dark, (laughs) it's a very dark, a movie like this, like The Joker, that makes you think about something uncomfortable is part of cinema's job. Right? Like, if every movie you see is like, and then they went to Walmart, and then they went home, and then everything was happy, and then blah, blah, like, there are definitely, there's definitely a place for those movies, but like, The Joker in all the comics and all his source material, like he, he's really fucked up. Like he's a really fucked up character, mostly because people, you don't know anything about his past. Right. So he's almost like a force of nature. Like it doesn't really matter who the Joker is. It's just somebody who has been like pushed to like fully go into the descent of madness to be crazy. So like, how his writing usually his writing is really good because he's insane and like writing an insane character is interesting because you can't use logic to figure out what he's going to do right like he's a very dynamic character for for me in situations like this i'm fine if people have this kind of reaction to a movie like this i just wanted to be consistent no one said anything about the purge all the purge movies that came out and those movies are literally making murder illegal in that universe and they're just going around killing people in the most gruesome ways you possibly can i think yeah and i feel like there's such a thin line between comedy and tragedy too right like i don't i can't get down with the argument that like oh it's okay or it's more acceptable to show violence in a comedic aspect than it is to show it in a tragic aspect because they really are two sides of the same coin. I don't know. Pam, you were about to say oh, something. Yeah, I just think that, um, I, I, you know, like Andrew, I was kind of trying to figure out what exactly in the context of the movie was making people uncomfortable. And honestly, it sounded less like it was about the gruesome killing and more about the origin story itself. And I really appreciate, Mark, that you brought up the fact that in the comics, the Joker's past is very mysterious, because I really do feel like what's making people uncomfortable is the way that this movie justifies why the Joker is the way that he is. Um, So aside from being a disenfranchised white man. Uh, There was one review that said that he felt scorned by women because his neighbor kept turning him down, even though he was interested in her. And, um, you know, that he had like a failing comedy career and stuff like that. So I don't know, it's kind of like tricky. But I also kind of feel like it's really hard to weigh in on this without actually seeing the movie myself. But I understand why that could be troubling, because we you know, if a movie is asking us to sympathize with, you know, a man getting turned down because a woman doesn't want to be with him, I don't think that that's okay. And that shouldn't justify his actions. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, at the same time, I feel like, again, like there's a bunch of movies that ask you to sympathize with people that are really shitty, right? Or even then, like, the what the the end result of what they're doing is really fucked up, right? Like Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Walter White's a great character in terms of how like complicated he is, and no matter what justification he has, whether it be oh his he needs to provide for his family or you know his health is declining or whatever. At the end of the day, he's making meth, and that is 
destroying people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like Dexter, he's killing people. I think the difference with the TV shows is it's a slow burn, whereas Joker, it's probably, what, two, two and a half hours, and you're kind of thrust into it, and you're like, whoa, wait, 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 I don't have time to sympathize with them. Yeah, I could see that, because like in, in Breaking Bad and, and Dexter, it, well, Dexter, it happens pretty quick, but like, it's it Walt takes a long time to get up to, you know, when he's full in like you kind of see him dipping his toe in entertainment weekly in their review of the joker said the truth is that entertainment doesn't exist in a vacuum and a movie with the message this one hammers home again and again that life is nasty and short that no one cares that you might as well burn it all down feels too volatile and frankly too scary to separate from the very real violence committed by young men like Joaquin Phoenix's Arthur Fleck in America almost every day. Entertainment Weekly made headlines for their review because they actually did not offer the film a letter grade. <laughs> they were that disturbed mm. by it. They were like, Jeez. this isn't a movie. We can't grade it. It'd be one thing if it was purely just this guy, you know, isn't getting what he wants. And because he's not getting what he wants, he's taking it out on society. But like, Based on some of the trailers and just Joker as a character, like he's getting shit on all the time. Like he's getting severely bullied and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not saying that people who get bullied should then do things like this, but it is a possibility that people who get bullied to a certain extent will take drastic measures. So we should be aware of that. And I think another reason too is like Pam said, like you're you're looking into his backstory to see why he's doing it. Like in The Dark Knight. The Joker was just a Joker. Like you didn't know who he was, you didn't know what made him do that, and you see him blow up a hospital, and people laugh at that because he's funny, you know. Like, but like it's, I think it's just good writing. But like you, you have somebody doing something as horrible as blowing up a hospital that's meant to save people, and you're like, oh, look at him being a, he's such a card, he's such a character. You Were know, people laughing at that? Away. Oh yeah, that mm. that that scene is probably one of the. Like the the highest, like well not the highest the the most highly held scenes in the movie because it was improv, like when he was like trying to press the button and it wouldn't work. Yeah, and he was kind of like acting like, and then and then the, then the hospital blew up and he like freaked out and ran in the bus and drove away. Like, well, it I wasn't there was disturbing. wasn't supposed to be. I wasn't a, laughing. <laughs> yeah, there there wasn't supposed to be a delay, but like that his like body language and the way he was carrying on, like people were laughing, and like when he was in the nurse's outfit. Like when you open the door and he was like in the nurse's outfit and he was like, oh, hey. And I think the thing about that is the juxtaposition that you get because like there's something really terrible and dark happening. But at the same time, he himself and Heath Ledger's portrayal was pretty comic at times. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that juxtaposition of like, whoa, we are really on the dark side, but also that particular thing that that behavior, that body language, that line delivery is still kind of funny. Mm -hmm. It does make you uncomfortable because you're like, oh, should I be laughing right now? But I still am kind of. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess I don't know. I'm not really looking forward to seeing this movie anymore because I don't really want to feel like shit. I, we're still going to see it. And yeah. I'm honestly looking forward to it because hearing about the visceral reactions that people are having tells me that there is a really uncomfortable social commentary that happens in this movie. And when people are that uncomfortable, it's probably telling them something that's kind of true. 
So I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to it. And I know after we see it, I'm sure we'll be happy to talk about it on the show. Yeah, I'll probably still see it with the old people at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I bet at least one grandma is going to walk out. I'm I'm sure, but maybe not. You know, like I don't usually think that. Sometimes I'm surprised by the demographic at um these comic book adaptations but at the same time it's joaquin phoenix and people tend to enjoy his work so Mm -hmm. i imagine it'll be pretty diverse pam it was silly for entertainment weekly not to offer a letter grade right yes i think that that was a little too extra (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. and definitely done to create buzz part of me is prepared to go into this see the movie for it to be a good movie and to kind of end up walking out of the theater feeling like, okay, wow, this was really overblown because I feel like that's how a lot of this stuff goes that you end up seeing the movie and you're like, okay. I feel like it's going to like, I'm going to go in and it's going to make me cringe a lot. Like I feel like they're going to write in scenes that are like, ugh, like this doesn't make me feel good. But again, like that's, they're doing it on purpose, right? Like that's, that's the but That's yeah. also that's like going back to your comment on The Purge. That's how I felt when I watched the second Purge. Because mm-hmm. that is a really great commentary on uh, class structure. Yeah, exactly. So, well, while some of us are looking forward to Joker, I think we can safely say he's someone who clearly isn't practicing self-care, <laughs> which is where our next sponsor can help. FabFitFun is a women's lifestyle subscription box with full-size premium beauty lifestyle fitness home and tech products sent straight to your doorstep each season. I always love getting my box and being surprised by all the new products they've sent me because FabFitFun delivers the seasonal must-haves you need. The 2019 Fall Box is on sale now, and it's the perfect way to treat yourself or others and sink into the fall with FabFitFun's carefully curated box of products. What I really feel the need to drive home here is the full value of these boxes. You'll receive multiple items which have individual retail values greater than the cost of the box itself, which is just $49.99. This lets you save money on quality, full-size products you otherwise might not try because of the price point. I've been getting seasonal FabFitFun boxes for the last year or so, and it's always such a nice treat to see it waiting for me on my doorstep. And since they send full-size products, the stuff they send has lasted me a long time. In the past, I've loved the Generation Clay Brightening Purple Clay Masks, Levito Mandarin Orange Body Lotion, and the Venus Williams Jump Rope, and I still use all of these things most days. What's really cool is that when you sign up, you'll find that some of the items in your box are customizable, so you can make sure you're getting a good mix of tried and true products that you love and new things to try. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200 based on the products inside. Use coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's FabFitFun.com and enter coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box. Don't be like Joker, practice some self-care and head over to FabFitFun.com and enter our coupon code MILL for $10 off today. All right, time now for recommendations. I want to recommend color catchers. Do you guys know what these are? Sounds like something for your laundry. Yes. I'm these should be required laundry products. I'm surprised more people don't know about them. So when you wash colors, there's a chance that the colors are going to run off your clothing and then leak onto other clothing. 
color catchers catch the colors when they come off your clothing. And they just stick to the color catchers instead of getting on your other clothes. I, I, I really think you should be using these with every single load. Um, you can get them at Target, get them at Amazon. I set up a subscribe and save on Amazon. And uh, so now I'm, I'm just automatically getting them every month or two and getting a little discount along the way because of using subscribe and save. Please use color catchers. They will save your clothing from getting poisoned by colors from your other shirts. I wanted to recommend USPS informed delivery for all of you folks living here in the States. Um, you can sign up for this and it's a free service. And basically the U.S. Postal Service takes pictures of all of your incoming mail so you know what to expect and sort of when it's going to arrive. Um, so if you're trying to keep track of your mail, if you're like me and your postal delivery person is constantly putting stuff in the wrong boxes, um, then you can at least know when stuff has actually arrived or when to be on the lookout. Um, this is nice for me because when I get my checks from Andrew, I know when they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have to like bug him unless, you know, my postal person like loses it or something like that. So I use this too, Laura. This is nice. I really like it. It's yeah, really nice it's to know stuff. when mail is coming and uh, see what's coming that day. Especially like if you're yeah. away. So you know what's coming mm-hmm. in without having to wonder what may have made it to your inbox. Exactly. Speaking of which, you got the letters, right? I did get the letters. They did show up in my informed delivery, but they were just tracking numbers that didn't like give me a picture of them. But ah, uh, got you. Okay. I wanted to recommend The Good Place, which is back for its fourth and final season. It just started back up again. Uh, it's just so good. This show is so, so good. 30 minute comedy. If you haven't checked this out yet, highly recommend you do. You can actually binge all three previous seasons on Netflix. So there's no reason to get to not get caught up and uh, maybe catch the end of just the show that everybody really loves and with good reason. I don't watch it, but it's a feel good show, right? Yeah, kind of. It it really just I I think it kind of like hits you over the head like a ton of bricks, just how deep it kind of gets. Um, It it really started off being something that nobody I think would have imagined would have ended up being what it's become. Um, but, you know, it kind of deals with what happens after uh, you die and uh, different forms of af- afterlife. There's a lot of like ethics and philosophy involved, too. So it, it gets pretty deep. I was just rewatching um, the trolley episode. So if anybody watches the show, you'll know what that is. And I was like, damn, like this one got me and I forgot. So it was really nice to to revisit that world. I recommend Mario Kart for iOS or I think it's on Android too now, but yeah, it's just Mario Kart tour and it's Mario Kart on your phone, which at first I was very hesitant about because I don't like touch controls. I'm actually taking a class right now. That's all about mobile game development. And even my teachers like, yeah, everybody hates touch controls. We have to find a way around it. And I think Nintendo did because you don't have to worry about accelerating. You're just constantly accelerating anyway, because in Mario Kart, you don't break. Like no one uses, no one uses the break button really. So you're right. just drifting. So you, you drifting back and forth is done by drifting or uh, sliding your finger back and forth on the, um, on the phone. And it's very like tactile, like that. It's very well tuned. Cause I was playing and a lot of times I play, I, I forget I'm playing on a phone. I'm like, Oh, this feels just like I'm playing Mario Kart 8 or Mario Kart Double Dash or whatever. 
you know, so it's the pretty. The problem, though, Mark, and I was going to recommend this too, but it's very gamified. I don't know the word. It's very casino-y. And that bugs oh, monetized me out. Mon- yeah. or microtransactions. Microtransactions, no, but there's all these other there's like rubies and stars and mm-hmm. coins and all kinds of different things that you get rewarded. It just feels it doesn't feel like a Nintendo product. Have you actually paid for it yet? No. I, I mean, haven't I, I've I've pl- I've played a good bit of it and I haven't spent a dime. Like okay. the and that's the thing. Like if you if you're a completionist and you want every character and every cart and every accessory, yeah, you're probably it's going to be really annoying for you to get those rubies to do whatever yeah. to get you know the things you need. But if you just want to play and race through tracks and 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 they're all recycled tracks, like they're tracks from past Mario games that they use again. Yeah. Like there was some Game Boy Advance tracks, some from uh, I think there's one from Double Dash. I think there's one from Eight. So, like, if if you want to just play, then you don't have to really pay anything or try to get any rubies. You just play with whatever characters they give you, and they're they're making multiplayer soon, so you can just get on with your friend and just play against them. So, if you have any feedback about today's episode, please email millennialshow at gmail dot com or use the contact form on millennialshow dot com. We also have the confessional there if you want to submit something anonymously. If you forget our recommendations, no problem. Just follow us on social media. Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We recently started featuring our recommendations each week visually. Laura also puts them in the show notes. What are we doing in After Dark today, Laura? We're going to be talking about the latest trends amongst millennials. This is data that's coming from my favorite place, the Pew Research Center. But we're going to be looking into things like how young adult American households compare to previous generations household in terms of uh, how much they earn, how millennial Republicans compare to older Republicans, um, how we compare in the labor force, just a whole bunch of data. It's going to be super interesting. And we're going to talk about how this data is or isn't reflective of our individual circumstances. So it's going to be good stuff. If you want to hear that, patreon.com slash millennial. You also get a custom RSS feed that you can pop into your favorite podcasting app. And then you can listen to ad-free millennial and after dark and hashing it out just like you do the regular millennial feed. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Mark. Bye, everybody. See ya. Do you guys see the aristocrats? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lizzo is just a national treasure, and I want to be her. Did you guys see Frankie Muniz of Malcolm in the Middle fame shoot his shot? No. Yeah, it was on Twitter. He he said that he would carry Lizzo's purse and she could put a chain around his neck and he'd be her <laughs> accessory. <laughs> Oh my and God. then she said it's accessory. <laughs> my brother-in-law died suddenly. 
and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials.